things that no one else even knows about, and he can still heal, he can still touch, and I'm thankful for that. We're going to jump into the Word. I'm going to start out in the book of Proverbs. Uh, and if you've got your Bible, you can turn to them. I don't, we're a little shorthanded this evening, so I guess you've probably realized that already because you didn't have any song words. Um, so I don't have any scriptures up there behind me. But uh, we're going to be in, start out in the book of Proverbs, the 22nd chapter, uh, verse 28. 28, 22, it looks like I'm going to have scriptures behind me real shortly. So we'll hang out for just a second. But uh, I, I am thankful for a wife that is instant in season and out of season. Proverbs 22, 28 says, Remove not the ancient landmark which thy fathers have set. You all can be seated. I'm, we're going to talk a little bit about calibration this evening. And um, we'll get to that topic in a moment and what I mean by that. But I, I'm reminded this week of a story that my grandfather told. And... Uh, I tell a lot of my grandpa's stories when I'm teaching, preaching, whatever I'm doing, because I, I spent most of my life listening to them, and I've got a whole lot of stories I remember. But I'm reminded of a story my grandfather told. There's two old farmers. They lived next to each other. They'd farm, grown up next door to each other, and they'd farm next to each other all their lives, and uh, been in the same place for as long as they could remember. And they kind of, there was no fence in between one field and the other field, but they both knew, you know, well, this is where where my line's at, and this is where my property is. My side's here, and your side's there. And, and the one farmer, he starts noticing that when it's time to plant each year, he goes out, and he goes out, and his, his neighbor had just started the day before he had, and he noticed that his neighbor had kind of just moved a little bit further over. But, hmm, well, I, I really remembered that line, that property line being over there, but I'll give him the benefit. Maybe I remembered wrong. So it's just one row. We won't worry about it. Well, the next year, he says, well, I'm going to go out a day earlier just to be safe. So he goes out one day earlier than he had before. And I think the two gentlemen may have have chatted. He said, yeah, I'm going to start planting on Tuesday. Well, he goes out on Monday and he sits there. Gets started, but he noticed that Sunday afternoon his neighbor had started and it was maybe one more row over than it had been the year before. So there's something going on here. My neighbor, he, he keeps moving what he's farming, and his farm's getting bigger, and, and mine's getting smaller, and this is going to be a problem. So the third year, he goes out there, and they, they're chatting again. They're at the coffee shop there the week before. He says, yeah, I'm, I'll tell you what, next Monday, I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to start, start planting on Monday. Uh, and his neighbor says, yeah, I think I will too. Okay, so Thursday he takes his pickup truck out there and he uh, packs him a lunch pail and some sandwiches and a bottle of water and takes his old shotgun with him and he just parks it right there where he knows the line is and leans the shotgun up against the tailgate and he sits there all day. He doesn't see a thing, but he goes ahead and sits there all day and just enjoys the day. He sees nature and sees just kind of watches the field and eats the sandwiches and Reads his Bible a little bit, and he just hangs out that day. And Friday, same thing. He doesn't see anything Friday. Saturday, he kind of notices his neighbor drive by looking, but doesn't see anything and doesn't think anything of it. So he's been out here three days now. He's starting to think, well, maybe I'm just imagining things. Maybe he hadn't been doing anything. But but I got one more day, so after church tomorrow, I'm going to come back out here, and I'm going to bring my picnic with me, and 
I'm going to have my sandwich and my water and my shotgun. We're going to sit here one more day. Then I'll start planting on Monday. Sure enough, Sunday, he goes to church, and as he's coming home from church, he notices his neighbor's getting his tractor out. He says, huh, we'll just see what comes of all this today. So he, he goes, and he gets home from church, and he gets changed, and he gets his sandwich pail and his water bucket, and he gets back out there, and he parks his old truck right there on the line and leans the old shotgun right up beside the tailgate. And this isn't where the line's been moved to the last couple of years, but where he knew all his life it had been and leans the old shotgun up and he sits there and he begins to eat a sandwich and drink his water, just kind of watch. And his neighbor, sure enough, pulls up a little bit later in the tractor and says, hey, I, I thought you were going to start planting on Monday. He says, oh, I, I was. I'm not planting today. I'm just, I'm just watching my line. That's all he says of it. And the neighbor doesn't say anything, but he hops back in his tractor and he kind of eyeballs him and eyeballs the Shotgun leaning against the tailgate, and he just, right where the line's supposed to be, he starts planting. The old farmer, for the next few years, he, he sat back out there, but he never noticed another problem. And for the rest of their lives, the line stayed where it was supposed to be. But there came the one time that he had to make a stand and say, Hey, I know this is where this is supposed to sit. I know this is how things are supposed to be. So I'm going to have to make a stand, because if I don't, my farm's going to disappear Well. My neighbor's keeps on growing. My grandfather, I remember him telling that story and telling it with this passage of Scripture in Proverbs as Solomon's writing here in chapter 22 and verse 28. He says, Remove not the ancient landmark which thy fathers have set. You see there, these two farmers, dads or granddads or great-granddads, somewhere along the line, they had, had come up with this land and and when they come up with it, they knew where this line was. and But there was no fence and there was no marker. So they just had to trust. That they both knew where the line was and knew what was there. But somewhere along the line, one guy quit guarding it and another guy started grabbing more than he was supposed to. Now, I don't know that Solomon is necessarily speaking of landmarks as to where a property line is, but... He was making a a statement here that some things have been set in place by previous generations, by Scripture thousands of years ago at this point, that once they have been laid there, they are not to be moved. You see, the landmarks of the time, as we read the Old Testament, we see that they go here and God does this, and they get together and they stack up some stones. They say, "Make make a pile of stones right there, and when you walk past it, Tell your kids about what God did. When you walk past this place, you can remind them, this is where God talked to our great-grandfather or a great-great-grandfather. This is where God brought us across the river and dry land. This is where God made these walls fall down. This is where God did miracles for us. This is where God did all these things. And all these landmarks that they had piled up were things that were there into Solomon's time. I, I wonder if maybe King David hadn't walked with Solomon one day and said, Son, let me tell you what God did where this landmark is. And let me tell you what God had done over here because their, their history and their tradition, their, uh, what they knew of their relationship with God for a large part was oral tradition that was handed down from generation to generation and that was sparked frequently by the landmarks. The things that their fathers and their grandfathers, their 
forefathers had set into place so they, when they came to that place, they could know this is where God worked for his people. This is why we do what we do. This is why we live the way we live. This is why we act how we act. This is why we are who we are because this is where our relationship with God changed in this way. And over here, this is where God touched us and this is where God did the impossible for us. Our day and age has come to such that sometimes the things that have been are are seen as old-fashioned, as not politically correct or, or not what is enjoyed or whatever. But there are some things that when they're taken down and they're pulled out of place as we make changes to what the Scripture says and all of a sudden what we have really isn't worth anything. You see, if the old farmer had just kept letting his neighbor take some more and take some more, there would have came the day, Brother Casey, he wouldn't have nothing to plan on. Could have had a nicest tractor there was and all the equipment and all the seed he needed. But if he didn't have any land because he never, never stuck to where his place was, it wouldn't have done him any good. And Solomon, as he's writing here in his wisdom, he can, contemplates similar situation. But in the spiritual realm, he says, we have to remove not the landmarks. I want to talk for a few moments this evening about the topic of, of calibration. I don't know if you've ever had maybe a, maybe a GPS or some sort of electronic equipment that you go to do something with it and it just doesn't work right and it needs to be calibrated. I know when I get a new cell phone and before my GPS will ever work, it makes me move it kind of like in a little figure eight pattern. I don't know if anybody else has ever had to do that, but maybe it's just me. Maybe I break stuff weird. I'm not sure, but... You've got to move it in a little figure eight pattern until it calibrates so it'll work right and do what it's supposed to do. I know I've got some, uh, some, some lasers for building things that the first time I turn them on, they've got to be set up and leveled, and then the laser has to calibrate. And once it does that, then it self-levels and works from there on out. But when it's new, it has to be set up because it has to be set to something that is known to be correct. My grandfather was a machinist. I have some of his machinist tools and open the box for a micrometer and there's this little round steel wheel in there. And that steel wheel is a very precise size and to use the tool properly, first you've got to take it and measure the little steel wheel. We're talking about measuring down to the thousandth of an inch and to even the half thousandth of an inch and to get down in that precise measurement, first that tool has to measure what's called the standard or that little wheel in there that's a very precise size and you set it to that and you calibrate the tool so that you know it's right before you go measure anything else. If my tools are not properly calibrated then they really aren't worth a whole lot. I remember a few years back I was on a hiking trip me and my friend Zach and our, our buddy Tom, we went on this backpacking trip and we're not smart, so we went in August and um, we had our backpacks on and we thought we were going to be real cool, so instead of taking food with us, we just carried guns, which got really heavy a couple days in. Uh, but we didn't go on any trails. We said, well, 
my farm's here and his farm's over here and it's about 20 miles, 25 miles-ish and we're just going to, we got a GPS and we got a topographical map and we got a compass. We'll, we're smart fellers. We'll figure this out and we'll take off. The problem was Tom had the GPS and Tom didn't know how to work a GPS. And halfway through the second day, Zach and I are talking a little bit. I says, I'm pretty sure that four or five hours ago we passed this little pond. Mind you, there's no trails. No, we're just traipsing through the woods from, from farm to farm. If you're familiar with where I'm from, from roughly from Piedmont to Williamsville, uh, we're just traipsing through the woods. And Tom, what's going on with this GPS here? I'm pretty sure we've seen this pond before and I'm carrying an eight-pound rifle that didn't feel like much yesterday, but it feels like 30 pounds today. And the night before, we, I was starting to get hungry. I did have a couple granola bars, but the night before, it was Tom was setting up camp, and I was building a fire, and Zach was hunting for dinner. And he shot three squirrels, but he set them down and lost them. So this was really a situation that we were getting into at this point because we're hungry and we're a little frustrated, and it's 95 degrees outside, and uh, the... Briar patches had kind of got us all cut up and bloody, and we were not, we knew we wanted to be out of there on day three, and we'd seen this pond twice, and we start talking, and we start messing, we realized that this thing, something was wrong with the setup of this GPS, and the guy that owned and was operating it didn't know what he was doing, so we had to get the map out and try to figure out where we were at, and pinpoint a location, and then I had to get my compass out and kind of plot a path from there on a, on a map and we got out of there we figured it out and we went map and compass the rest of the day and mid-morning of day three we come out right where we wanted to be and all was well with the world but we you'd think the gps would be a whole lot easier to navigate with than that old map and compass but something wasn't right with its calibration and in the midst of that and not knowing how to fix it or what to do we got back and guy that met us where we got out, he said, oh, yeah, you just got to hit this button and this button, and then it would have worked fine. That was not helpful news to me at that point, and I did not want to hear about it. Um, but they come to the point that without that tool being calibrated, it didn't do us any good. We have to be calibrated ourselves to Jesus Christ if our life is going to get us where we want to go. I, I see so many people in life today that are just walking around in circles. People that fall into the same uh, path of mistakes again and again and again. The same sin keeps popping up. The same problems keep arising. Life just keeps happening in the same way over and over and over. And sometimes I'm watching and I feel a little bit like that they've got to be about where I was when I was walking and come up on that pond and said, I know I've seen this before. I know I've been in this place before and this wasn't somewhere I ever wanted to be again. But if the ancient landmarks are taken away, we, you see, we have that little metal standard that I talked of calibrating the micrometer to. I've got it right here. I have something that I can calibrate myself to. I can look into God's word and I can find how I'm supposed to live my life. I can find how I'm supposed to conduct myself, where I'm supposed to go in situations. I can find everything I need. 
in the word of God, I can find how to have relationship with Almighty God. And it's His word, the scripture says, is a lamp to my feet. It's a light to my path. It's His word that allows me to navigate through life. It's His word that allows me to know who He is. And as I know Him through His word and through prayer and fasting and fellowship with Almighty God, it's that that allows me to then align my life to Him. But that's not the cool thing to do in the world today. The cool thing to do in the world today is a lot like the days of Noah. That's just, in the time of Noah, it was do what's right in your own eyes as we find in Scripture. Maybe today it may be worded, do what feels good. That doesn't get me to heaven. That doesn't get me where I need to go. And if it's, I I mean, it was all well and good following that GPS, traipsing through the woods, thinking, oh, we're... We've got this fancy thing and it's all newfangled. It's going to work and we're going to be here. And I've got my pack on and my sleeping gear. I've got my gun. All is well. I'll tell you what, when I left out on that trip, I was so excited. I thought this is going to be the funnest thing I've ever done. It turned about to be pretty low on the list of fun things I've ever done. Not as bad as the, well, we took more hiking trips that turned out similarly. Um, Just more miserable. But if I can look into the Word of God and I can align myself with Him, all of a sudden everything starts working out. You see, I've been on other backpacking trips. I remember doing about two weeks in Colorado in the mountains, and it was one of the best experiences I've ever had. It was beautiful. The weather was perfect. Trails were fairly clearly marked. Map and compass all worked well. Group of guys, we didn't get lost. We didn't lose anybody. We had plenty of food. One little hailstorm, but it wasn't a big deal. It was July, so it wasn't going to be a very long hailstorm. And we hid out under some trees for a couple minutes and ate a snack. And it was just a beautiful trip. It was awesome. I were in our T-shirts and we run up the mountain, have a snowball fight, run back down the mountain, put our bags on, and off we go. Wonderful trip. If you like walking through the woods with 40 pounds on your back, it was a good time. But when I got out of calibration with what I needed and I wasn't didn't have everything right for me to navigate, all of a sudden my trip wasn't quite as exciting as it had been. If I can align myself to Him, life is a whole lot better than it is without Him. The book of Colossians, the third chapter, we'll read the first three verses. It says, If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. First two we're really going to focus on here. Set your affection on things above, not things on earth. For ye are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. Set your affection, he says. Notice he does not say, and this is interesting, he doesn't say because you are God's, you can do whatever you want, and he'll make sure that everything works out perfect in the end. But he says, set your affection. Make sure that what you want out of life lines up with what God has for you. Make sure that your desires and the things that you want and the things that you care for and the things that you seek after, if you make sure those are biblical, you make sure those are what God has for you, then everything's going to be okay. He even gives an explanation for why. He says, for ye are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. He says, you're not yours. You see, I was bought with a price, and God, he paid for me. I am his. 
But in the world that we're in, sometimes it's so easy to let things get a little muddled. And something that we, we look at and we knew once was this way, and all of a sudden maybe it was, maybe it wasn't. And I, I read this today, and I'm going to read a portion out of here. Um, James Hastings wrote, and I think English will be a little weird in here. I think this was written late 1800s, early 1900s. But he said, if you've ever watched the dragonflies uh, flitting in the sunlight above the, surface, above the surface of some pool, you have doubtless noticed that while from time to time their bodies are immersed in water, their wings are always kept dry. This is for flight. And you have perhaps seen also that by when mischance the wings of one have become wet, it's unable to rise from the water and its consequence for, forfeits its life. This is a vivid picture of the Christian in the world. If he allows his power of mounting up into the clear air of communion with God, the force whereby he seeks the things that are above to become weakened by his contacts with the world, he is like a fly with wet wings. I thought that was an interesting perspective as a dragonfly can keep flapping his wings, but if they're wet, they're too heavy, it knocks off the balance of things and he can't take off and go anywhere. Nothing's different physically with the dragonfly. He's just been weighted down by that which he came into contact with. We, Christ put it this way, he said, for you're in this world, but you're not of this world. It's very important that we make sure that as our affections are set after him, that it's not me making Christ fit my life, but me making my life fit Christ. It's very important that I make sure that I don't let the world that I'm in come to a place that I've gotten saturated in and it's added enough weight to me that I'm like that dragonfly and I just physically I feel the same but I flap my wings and I don't go anywhere before long the dragonfly begins to sink he's weighted down and he sinks and when he sinks he can't breathe and when he can't breathe he drowns he is no more all because he just came into a little too much contact with the environment around him. The temperature outside, you see, affects the temperature inside. The world around us can affect us. If it's 110 degrees outside and you don't have any AC on, it's going to be real hot inside. We've got to do something to insulate us from that and to protect us from that. If it's 5 degrees or negative 50 degrees outside, it's going to be real cold inside until we have some insulation and some heat. The world around us affects us, and we have to check and we have to recheck our, our, our calibration of where I am in perspective with where Christ is. Who I am in perspective with who He wants me to be, and the, the way that begins to fail is by the removing of the landmarks. The children of Israel, I don't think, ever come to a place where they went into slavery overnight. In fact, we know they didn't. We know that when they, they would go on this kind of roller coaster ride that God would do something awesome and they'd create a landmark and they'd be in this awesome place and then over time they'd kind of forget about it a little bit and kind of float along but they're trending downward and, and all of a sudden they get to this place where they're not serving God anymore and as soon as they're not serving God anymore they go back into captivity. And then God delivers them from captivity and they create another landmark and they but I... I wonder if they had ever remembered to just stop and say every day, hey, God did this and because this is where we were and this is where he brought us to and that's why we do what we do. 
That's why who we who are who we are. Somewhere along the point, they quit visiting the landmark. Somewhere beyond the, along the road, some things got knocked down that never should have been. Those landmarks were things that were set through relationship with God. And it, it isn't the... It isn't that those rocks piled up there were some magical thing that kept them from um, ever coming to a place of falling out of relationship with God. It's simply that the rocks piled up there were a reminder so that they remembered why they stayed in relationship with God, why they stayed where they were. And we have to realize some things to do that. I have to understand that God's word is infallible. You see, if they, we had this discussion in Bible study a couple weeks ago. Um, that if we're teaching a Bible study, we first have to establish and understand and stand upon the fact that God's word is true. If it's not, then what's the point in studying all of it if we haven't first established that we believe it? I have to understand that his word, the Bible, is infallible and that it has to, at that point, I have to allow it to be an authority in my life. I can tell you there are times that I get into scripture and I read something And I'd really just like to turn the page and not have read that one. Maybe I'm the only one, but sometimes I read some things. I'm like, God, that that hurts a little bit. Or maybe maybe pastor's preaching and after service I go home wishing I had worn some steel toes because he stepped on my toes just a little bit. Sometimes I find some things, but I have to understand that if God's word is infallible, then I have to allow it to be an authority in my life. And that means when I get to some things that necessarily don't, just feel quite how I want them to, but the scripture says this is what it is, then I've got to understand that that's an authority in my life and I set my affections. I realign and recalibrate myself. If I'm where I need to be in God, my walk with Him is, is where I need to be and I am who I am. I'm never, or I am who I'm supposed to be. I'm never going to get to a point that I look into scripture and say, oop, nope, I've got to skip that page. Nope, we're going to have to pull these couple pages out. But but what happens if we don't and we just get comfortable and then I look and say, ooh, I don't really agree with this page. I'm just going to pull this page out of my Bible. and Then I don't have to read it and then it's okay. Then I pull another page out and soon you've got like three pages left and you can just just read the same three over and over and over and ignore the fact that you've taken the rest out. Well, none of us are probably going to just go tearing pages out of our Bible if we start just... Saying, well, I know the scripture says this, but God understands where I'm at. I know the Bible says that I shouldn't do this, or it says that this is right, or it says that this is wrong, but this is all of a sudden we've done the same thing. Whether the page is still in our Bible or not, if if I'm actively living in something that's not there, I've effectively torn it out. And Paul, as he writes to the church in Colossus, and he's writing to them, if we, if we look and read through the beginning of it, we first have to understand that Paul is not writing to the church to beat them down. He's not writing to the church to pile up on them, not writing to the church uh, to be mean to them. He's writing to them because he loves them. And as he comes to the church and he says, I, I love you, and because I love you and because I care for you, I've got to tell you that you've got to make a few changes. You've got to change who you are to who he wants you to be. I understand that maybe each of us are, uh, I know I start most days and 
in prayer, Lord, help me to be who you want me to be today. That's, that's the start of my day. The end of my day is generally, Lord, if I did anything that wasn't what you wanted of me today, please let me know what it was. Because I've got to align myself with you. And, and, I, and I'd say none of us are just waking up and saying, you know what, I'm going to sin today, boys. I don't, I don't think any of us just step out the door and be like, we're going to make some mistakes today. But life happens. The trick is when life happens that I then say, Lord, forgive me for where I've messed up. Let me reset my affections. Let me recalibrate, God. Let me reset who I need to be. Because I've got to make sure above all else that I make heaven my home. I don't want to be the farmer at the end of the day that doesn't have any field left to farm. I don't ever again want to be the guy traipsing around the woods with GPS that's telling him to go in circles. And while that was unpleasant for a couple days in the woods, I can't imagine it for eternity. This evening, I, I, I know maybe this isn't the most exciting shout up and down and run the aisles, but I think sometimes we need to just stop for a moment and reflect on some basics. And we need to stop and look for a few moments and just understand, Lord, make me who, I, who you want me to be. Old song my granny used to sing is, make me who I ought to be. Teach me to be more like thee. Bid me come up higher. Da, 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 da. I forgot the next couple words. Make me who I ought to be. I'm real bad with song words because um, I've been playing an instrument most of my life and I can play the music and I don't know all the words. Uh, but, but that one has stuck with me. That beginning of that is, Lord, make me. Make me who I ought to be. I'd like us to close this evening just take a couple minutes in prayer. I just want to ask the Lord, God, make me who you want me to be. Lord, I, I want to make heaven my home. I want you someday, Lord God, to bid me come up higher. I want, to, I want to see you. But to get there, Lord God, I know that I've got to have myself walking in that straight and narrow. I know to get there, Lord God, that I have to, I have to set my affections on the things that you want them set on. So, Lord, I ask today that you search my heart. Lord, I ask that you search my heart and as David said, if there be any wicked way, Lord, if I'm doing something wrong, please let me know. And Lord, help me to change. Help me to be who you want me to be and help me, Lord God, to set my affections, make the desires of my heart to be your desires for me. Lord God, I thank you and I praise you this evening. I just wonder if we couldn't just lift him up, just magnify an almighty God for just a moment. Lord, we exalt you and we praise you tonight, Lord God. We thank you for having come here this evening to let us speak and uh, look into your word and see what you've got for us. I, I thank you tonight, Lord God, for speaking to our hearts this evening. And I ask that we go and you bring us back safe this week, Lord. We thank you. We praise and we exalt you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. You are dismissed and we'll see you uh, this weekend.